Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is a Rogue Media Network podcast. This is 365 Sports, powered by Sikkim365.com. Now joined by Josh Neighbors, host of the Big 12 Watch on our sister station channel, I don't know. It's YouTube. Newfangled words for the for the new millennia. Uh, but Crystal Ball College Football. So please go watch his show. Subscribe to that channel. Josh, uh, you're rocking a Virginia Tech shirt today. I am. Yes. Okay. So let okay. me let me let me ask you this. Are you? I know you're from Virginia. Are you a Virginia Tech guy? Uh, growing up, yes. My dad is from. My dad grew up going to games. Uh, my grandparents had season tickets for 45 years. My best friend growing up a Virginia Tech fan. Um, so I guess like now I'm technically a Missouri guy because that's where I graduated from. Yeah. But I still you know, I still keep up with tech football. I mean, yeah. about as close as I do, you know, with any non-Big 12 school. I have some I have some AM shirts from my dad, you know, like that, you know, that I still I still gone to AM games and, and worn maroon, um, you know, with friends and all that. So I, I get people it. in the gym people at the gym who see me every day have no idea what school I like because I wear Virginia Tech or Missouri, but I've got all the Big Twelve schools yeah. as well. I wear those often to work out. So uh, I confuse a lot of people with my my wardrobe choices every day with schools. You you, you just tell them I was an assistant coach. I get fired a lot. Uh, <laughs> no, <laughs> no. Uh, I, let me tell you a story about Virginia Tech. So in in '99, and this is of course in 2000. So right after Y2K, we survived that ordeal. Uh, I and some of my uh, coworkers drove to New Orleans for the for the Sugar Bowl, the national championship game. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that, that FSU won. And I was 19, almost 20. And in New Orleans, uh, you know, that doesn't matter. You know, they'd like, they're not going to ask you for an ID. Like, that's not a thing that they do in that city. Uh, they, they know what they're built on. <laughs> so <laughs> voodoo and booze. Like, that's what right. they are. And very so I, uh, I very quickly, when I found that out, because I was meeting some friends in the, in the French Quarter anyway, I very quickly, like, just tore through. It was my first trip there. Like, every, not only just Cajun food, but every kind of hurricane or beer, whatever I could get my hands on. So within, like, like two hours of being in the French Quarter, I was sauced up. I mean, just mm. ready to rock. And there were, a, I mean, was, the whole French Quarter is either Virginia Tech fans or FSU fans, like just all over the place before the day before, of the game. And in the middle of Bourbon Street, 
the hokey fans start doing the hokey pokey and i thought is there something in one of these drinks i had because i thought i had lost my mind but it was one of the craziest things i've ever seen they don't do the hokey pokey as much anymore no. um I mean, you know, I, I I think it's more of the let's go Hokies thing yeah. you get a whole lot of. But I'll tell you what, those two fan bases in New Orleans, I can't imagine that was uh, that was probably some trouble. Just here, here's the deal. Just mere hours after Sebastian Janikowski went to bed <laughs> that night. Right. That is exactly right. That is exactly right. Just, what a game, too. That was a great game. Yeah, it was. It was. Um, I remember, like, after the game, they asked Bobby Bowden to be like, hey, the whole, if you've ever covered the Sugar Bowl, you will see people out at night and like the media is all out hanging out late because you're in new orleans and if there's a player you're going to notice them and mm -hmm. like the whole everybody in the media saw sebastian janikowski out on bourbon street and they asked bobby bowden like would he get in after curfew and bobby's like huh what huh <laughs> I'm, no old. Idea. Well, I'm an old man huh? i don't yeah, know i don't want to know i don't want to know <laughs> i'm old he pulled the uncle leo i'm uh i don't know it's stealing batteries i don't know <laughs> like, yeah. yeah so anyway big 12 this week um not as many uh they're not the premier matchups last week, but this is where, to me, it gets interesting because this is where you can pucker up a little bit, right, and get nervous mm. and lose something that you shouldn't because now you are mere weeks away from the goal of making it to Arlington. And Oklahoma State really shouldn't have that problem on the way out, but Texas, for the next three weeks – even though they're playing teams that have all like, well, except for two of the three teams have had, you know, bummers of a season. They're still got gigantic targets on them because they're huge in-state rivals. And that starts this week with TCU who would love nothing more than to just do one thing right and beat Texas. And they've been, they've been very good at that. Uh, the first thing I want to know with this week's big 12 schedule is it's very representative of what Big 12 schedules will look like in the future. You've got games from 11 a.m. all the way up until 9 p.m. Central Time, right? You've got Fox covered. You've got Fox Sports 1. You've got ESPN. You've got ABC. You've got ESPN+. Plus. I mean, they really have it all covered. All the time slots, all the windows, all the you know different ways to watch games, whether it's linear cable streaming, also the big networks, the support networks, whatever. And so I, I think about that. I think about okay, like this is a good reminder of why the television networks wanted the Big Twelve, because also too, you know, that first window last week, Paul. I mean, what a we had four games decided by a total of nine points, two of which went to overtime. Yeah, um, and two were decided in the very final play of the game, obviously as well. So. That was super exciting to have, to see that to have that this week too. Uh, obviously, lends itself. And yeah, I mean, you know, it's so funny. We had last week a five-way tie in first, and because of all the good matchups we had last week, that's dissipated. And because Kansas took care of Iowa State on the road, you know, that number went from five to two, right? And now the logjam is actually in second place. Um, and now we're looking up at Oklahoma State and Texas, and now it's kind of the tightrope back, right? And it feels like there is no massive game left on the schedule for either of those two. They should be, I believe should be is the operative word here. They should be favorites in all the remaining games they will play. In Texas's case, I would uh, I would have to think that they're going to be a double-digit favorite in the rest of the games they play this year. So now it's that now it is the the pressure is on right the heat is on the the kind of the two have risen up there and now we're going to see 
in Texas's case, you know, TCU's had a ton of success against them. You wonder, hey, is Chandler Moore was going to play a role this week? Um, and it would be very, very TC. I, I think I think there is a lot kind of for TCU like here. Like this is need this this needs to at least be a performance where you show us that like there is still maybe money left in the banana stand in some ways. <laughs> you know, like I think for this as far as this season goes, right? Because this has been a really disappointing season. But beyond that, like it's been an extremely disappointing season considering what's happened before. So a win against Texas changes a lot of that. Obviously, Iowa State's going to be hunting for that win. And then Texas Tech, we all know, too. And we'll see if they can round in the form. And for Oklahoma State, you know, you get two of the new three in your next couple of games, both on the road. I think – I forget who they have the last week of the season. They have – is it Baylor the last no. week? Uh, uh, Oklahoma uh, State has uh, three of the new four. They have UCF, right. Houston, and BYU. Right. So, yeah. So, uh, yeah, yeah, there you go. I mean, they, they get, that's a pretty nice way to, to go. Um, and so the pressure's on. I mean, that's, that's, that's kind of the big story here. I think from a, from a general standpoint for TCU, they are staring bowl elimination in the face because two of their last three are Texas and Oklahoma. And, yeah. um, you know, it, they, um, and then Baylor next week and look, Baylor on good years has, uh, has trouble beating, uh, TCU so uh, you know they hope that that holds to form but they've got to win two of their last three or they're not bowl eligible and yeah that at like that after the greatest season in school history will sting a lot yeah I mean you look at the talent left in the team too like there's still enough guys left in last year's team that it should not be like this um and I'm worried for them this week too, because nobody, and I mean, there's nobody like there's one person, Dylan Gabriel, nobody's run the ball in Texas. Like nobody has lined up and punched them in the mouth. I, I don't really think Oklahoma did that much. And that game is weird. Like you have to throw that game out because it, it always is super strong. I mean, like there were block punts and there was uh, you know like illegal formations on punts and like, I mean, just ridiculous things happening. Right. So if you look at the season and say, who has lined the ball up, lined up against Texas and punched them in the mouth and ran the football against them. Nobody has. And TC, I mean, that's the hallmark of a Kendall Bryles offense. I don't have to tell the folks in the Baylor community that they want to run the ball. That's kind of the number one thing they want to do. They want to run the ball. They want to spread you out. They want to run to the outside. They want to run inside. Like it's, it's pretty simplistic the way they want to. And they couldn't even do it against Texas tech. They, yeah. they, Martin Bailey's had a big season and he, and he was uh, really held in check against Texas tech. I mean, it was the, the passing offense that did it for him. And look, that's where Texas can be hurt. And I actually think Josh Hoover is going to end up being wherever he is pretty decent. I think he looks like a guy right now, like probably shouldn't be starring the power five, but most guys shouldn't be when they're freshmen, right? Most guys shouldn't be doing it. And um, I know they were concerned about that backup situation and it's come to fruition here. Sure. But like, I, I you know, he threw a couple horrific picks against Texas yeah. Tech. But they were still in the game, right? They were still in the game at the very end on the road. They should be, but like they're still there. So I just think I watched them last week and it's like, if you can't run the ball and nobody has, it's a problem. And Josh Hoover will make enough mistakes on his own volition, uh, especially now that we know Quinn Ewers is coming back. And I think that's one big thing. Like it seems like Malik Murphy was good for about two horrific mistakes a game. Yeah. Uh, Quinn Ewers maybe sometimes one, right? And, uh, you know, he is kind of, that's that's the operator you want for the offense. I mean, I think there was a pretty clear difference between Malik Murphy. I know he was as good as he was to start off the game. 
Uh, I think that offense hums a bit better with Quinn Ewers kind of pillar to post. Yeah. So I'm worried for them. Yeah. That's why I was surprised last week that Kansas state, like, I know why you do it. Like the book tells you on the road, go for it. Right. Just end the game. Don't get into this. That's a bad call. Bad call. And the reason like, usually you do it because like, you know, Dana Holgerson made a great call when he did it. Like, but a completely different situation. Right. What I think that Chris Kleiman maybe missed on was let's see if what happens when you put Malik Murphy in the situation of don't don't mess up. Don't mess up. Right. You know, we we've kind of turned this on you. Don't mess up, Malik. You know, get in yeah. get into a freshman's head a little bit. I think he he uh he didn't do that. That's what I would have seen. I would have made Malik Murphy like I would have made him beat me in that pressure situation. Right. Because like, yeah, you're totally right. Because at that point you keep handing him the ball, you know, that's, that's what you're functionally doing is like, all right. Like I, and also too, it's fourth down. Like, so you haven't scored at that point. And for me, I, I understand why you do it, but in that situation, when as the game has gone along longer, you've been better off, right? This is not some situation where, you know, you were up big and Texas came alive and it's like, all right, this, the longer this game goes, we're in worse shape. It was like, no, the longer the game went, they started making mistakes and their advantage in terms of physicality dissipated because Texas or K-State's offense started to find a rhythm there later on in the game. Mm-hmm. And so I know you didn't score there, but that's like not, I, I would wait to land the knockout. But I bet Sark kind of took a, took a long breath and was like, all right, thank God they, they tried to end the game there because I don't want to keep chucking our, our young quarterback out yeah. here. You know, uh, I want to keep him near the script as much as possible. So that that was, I think, very fortunate for Texas. But I'll tell you what, Paul, Texas is surviving now in games that they would have lost last year. Mm-hmm. And that, to me, is what is um, really encouraging for them as a program, right? We saw them blow that lead against Tech last season. Uh, that Houston game was a blown lead, but guess what? I know they got helped by a call, but like when they the defense had to step up and make a stop, they did. When they had to run the ball down Houston's throat to get the go-ahead score, they did. So th- they're starting to do these things, you know, um, and look, do you want to be surviving like this all the time? No, but I, I would contend too that like it's pretty good for them to get to feel some pressure in these situations. And the fact they overcame their mistakes last week is a good building block. Yeah. I would say it's probably not a good trend if you're heading into the college football playoff with right, which right now they're not, you know, yes. so uh, where you'd have to beat to win the thing. You've got to beat two teams who probably don't do that uh, as often as you have. But again, part of it is growing up, right? Texas, Texas was never, they never had to be a real boy under all these other things. Like they were, they were always like, you know, like, ah, they just couldn't do it. They couldn't do it. They couldn't do it. And then here, here they are now they're doing it. So while this might not be the year that maybe they win the national title, like I think everybody was, was hoping they're close. And so now you build on that and you hope you can keep as much talent together and then replenish it um, because the transfer portal give it, the transfer portal take it away. And that's not only guys you lose to the transfer portal, but, you know, if it, if there's a, a guy who's a difference maker between you and another team in the SEC and he picks them over you, which is going to happen to Texas more often than when they were in the Big 12, you know, those are the things that will swing, you know, playoff runs uh, for right. them. But they're at least doing the little things well now, which before the little things were just either, you know, they were death by a thousand paper cuts all the time. Yeah, and also, like, so if I think about them in terms of everybody else, here's a, here's a problem for everybody else in the Big 12 right now, at least this season. Um, 
No, the controlling the line of scrimmage is like actually what normally ends up winning this league. Uh, it has in the last few seasons for the most part. Texas is so good. I mean, those early recruiting classes that Sark put all of his effort into, they were all concentrated on the on the lines of scrimmage. And that's paying off now. Like nobody can run the ball against them. It's 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 um it's just I mean, I would be surprised, like maybe Michigan could, maybe Georgia could, but like they're so good up front that that's why when I think about them, Paul, and I think about them playing, you know, let's just exclude Michigan and Georgia. If you were to have them play in Oregon, right? If you were to have them play, I think Washington's probably a bad matchup for them because Washington tosses the ball around a lot, right? That might be an area. But, like, they could run the ball all over Washington if they wanted to. Yeah. I think about uh, Florida State, too. You know, I think they're right there with those those teams. Yeah, um, no, I, I, you know, I, I think that. Like, I, I don't think Florida State's gotten a lot better as the season's gone along. I'm not saying Texas has gotten a lot better, too. But, like, has Florida State gotten markedly better as things go along? I, I still think Texas is probably one of the six best teams in the country. And so if they went out, Michigan's going to have to play Ohio State, so, right? So we're going to get a loser there. We're heading towards Oregon and Washington round two, which, you know, we'll see what that yields, obviously. Um, and so like they're, they have a really good chance of being a one loss conference champion with the one loss being to Oklahoma in a rivalry game and a, you know, a really, I mean, about as narrow of a margin as possible. And I would like Texas's chances to get in if, if that is oh, the case. Look, if, if, if they are, if they're within, like, if, if those things happen, if they get cleared out, like that's what they need right now is win and help. But if they get to help, like, yeah, they're, they're the going to play each other though. Right. And yeah. the help all has to play each other. Georgia's got to play Bama. That's behind them. And they already have the win over Bama. So that takes care of that. You know, Penn state, Michigan and Ohio state will sort themselves out. We, we believe and Oregon and Washington have some sorting to do. So you're kind of, I mean, just one week at a time if you're the Texas Longhorns, and I think they might end up where they want to be, and that's kind of on the doorstep of the CFP. Yeah. Uh, on Florida State, as someone who's watched every one of the games, I would I would push back a little. They haven't gotten better. I don't think they've gotten better on offense. I think they're very consistent on offense. That's, yeah, that's yeah. What I, yeah but, I agree with that. But I do think they've gotten better on defense. I think that I would they, agree with that. Yeah. I think they've gotten better on defense. But yeah, no offense. Yeah. That like sometimes you don't need like. They're good at it. I mean, like you know, yeah. Like, yeah, right, like right, how right. much more? How much more do you right. like? Uh, believe me, I yeah, wish they, they're not. They're not healthy too. They've I, been banged out. Yeah. The I want season. them to score seventy yeah. points in the first quarter. That way, I can relax. But right. I know that that's it's not high school ball. <laughs> so right, yeah, the, the clock moves faster. Well, the, 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 the pit game it wasn't. It wasn't like you know wire to wire no. dominance. And look, that Clemson win was a really good win early in the season. I think that at that point, it's kind of like all right. If you stay healthy at this point, we we should just probably see you in the ACC championship game and yeah. see if that's competitive or not, whoever they have to play. So, yeah, I, I think FSU is in a pretty good spot as long as they're healthy. Yeah. Louisville or North Carolina, depending on, you know, how how uh, how Miami fares against Louisville next week. Uh, but, my, my you know, so that's it, it's going to be different for them. All right. Let's talk about Texas Tech and Kansas. Uh, uh, Tech with Baron Morton's different on offense, obviously. Mm -hmm. But Kansas is just – they're just good. I mean, like, it's hard to even say it, but they're just good. And they, like, now they figured out way different ways to win games than we better score 50 points. And then, you know, hope that we're ahead where the offense has got to – the other team's offense has to chuck it around and we can make a big play. Like, they are not by any means, you know – dumping people on defense, but they're also uh, able to make plays on that side of the ball in key moments. They've gotten, they've gotten so much better over there. 
Yeah. It, it, the Oklahoma game was a big was a big story with this because it was like you could they, that game should have been over. And they gave Jason Bean and company one more chance and they went right down the field and they scored a touchdown on them. And they got the stop in the end too. And then last week, you have that you have a signature win for your program. And look, say what you want about Oklahoma, but you know, I was I was at um I was at Missouri and Auburn last year. Uh and that was the weird game where Missouri missed a 20 yard field goal and then fumbled in the end zone. And like I was I was basically talking about it with my friends afterward being like, you know. It's Auburn, and they're down. It, it, they're they're down this year, sure, but still beating Auburn is a massive signature win on, on the road. It's just good for the program, and that's what that was for Oklahoma. It was a landmark vic- uh, for uh, Kansas, landmark victory. You wonder on the road at Jack Trice how it's going to go. They led the entire game. They yeah. led the entire game, and I know there's some officiating stuff people complain about, whatever. But like they were hitting explosive passing plays. The rushing attack didn't always work for them, and they were they were good, man. They were good to go in all three phases. The defense played really, really well. I know Iowa State's offense nothing to write home about, but Kansas is good. The one thing I think people are, well, I think Vegas is paying attention to this too, is. You know, we saw the body blow effect take take them out last year, like really bad down the stretch. That doesn't feel like the situation this year, but I think there is some still uh, some trepidation about are they going to, you know, like is there going to be a November dip? Is are they going to be able to keep up the momentum? But they're playing so well as a group, and there's a serious belief, and it, it's it's upsetting for them because they've got losses to both Oklahoma State and Kansas. So it's going to be really, really hard for them to get into the into the into the Big Twelve championship game, but man, they've got a they have a legitimate chance at nine ten wins this year. They have an actual chance at nine to ten wins, and that's got to be, I mean, like it's it is remarkable what Lance he is unbelievable. He is I mean what he has done there, nobody else could do it, and he has gone there and done something that uh, I think. I remember I talked to Jesse Newell, who covered used to cover that yeah. he covered the Chiefs now. And Jesse goes at five wins, they'll build a sta- five wins in year three, they build a statue. Yeah. And it's like, we're past that now. We're way yeah. past that now. It's, and, it's and impressive. Look, he's like, I genuinely believe him that he's he wants to stay there for the rest of his career. Like he's 58 years old. This is there is something about something being your program. And in a very short amount of time, he's made it his because it was nobody's like it was adrift. And so he's made Kansas his program. And if you keep winning at a certain place, you don't have like he's 58. Like, how far is he going to climb? Really? Right. And I would say that the biggest rumor out there is Michigan State. And if you can make similar money at Kansas, then Michigan State, I would not move and work for those bosses. Personally, I think that I would let somebody else try to figure out how to keep the Spartans in line uh, as opposed to me going up there and being the guy who's got to come in and fix things that are far from fixable from the head coach standpoint. Yeah. And you can win like you can win at Kansas. Yeah. And they have a they have an advantage that, you know, um, not every school has that. They've got a major metropolitan area within an hour of their school, right? Yeah. I mean, Kansas City produces a lot of good talent. Lee Summit, uh, obviously Kansas City proper. Like those areas do produce a decent number of talent. St. Louis is about, you know, four, I guess, four or five hours away. It's nice to have another, you know, another city there too. I mean, like they are not too far away from decent sources of talent. And for them, they're showing right now that, they, I mean, they dusted UCF this year. That game was out of all of UCF's games against current Big 12 teams, that was like the least competitive of them. They hammered them, uh, and and we think UCF's going to end up being pretty good. So 
I think what Lance Leipold is showing is that you can win in places. And look, will there be some five win seasons in there? Probably. Yeah, it's going to happen at some point. You know, they, they're they're blessed to have a backup quarterback in Jason Bean, uh, who's as good as he is. And they've done a really good job, you know, maintaining and retaining talent. But Leipold knows how to craft game plans to his team. His big challenge is keeping the guy calling plays on offense with him because uh, Andy Kotelnicki to me is, should be up for the Broyles award this year for what he has done. I know the offensive numbers aren't always staggering, yeah. but what he has done with that offense and how creative and fun it is to watch when they run the football and the way they utilize their athletes, they know, I mean, you see the way they use Jared Casey. You see the way they use Arnold. They see the way they use, they use Bean and Neil and Highshaw. Like they are saying, I'm going to get the most out of all of these guys. And they do such a good job of it. And I think that needs to be applauded on a national level. Um, I don't think Kansas actually gets talked about enough considering it's it almost like Kansas last year had enough, more steam than they have this year. Um, but this year is more impressive in my opinion. Yeah, absolutely. Josh, thanks a lot. Appreciate it. Uh, talk to you next week, buddy. Sounds good. All right, Josh Neighbors, Big 12 Watch. RogueMediaNetwork.com.